hosted on dimlywit.com. I'm Alex. And I'm Tina. And this is Obsessed Obsessed with the Best. We're two New York City gals who are bringing you the best of the best of all things beauty, wellness, and inspirational women. We've tried it all and can't wait to tell you what's worth obsessing over. Join us each week as we share our favorite products and trends and chat with leading female founders and experts. Welcome to Obsessed Obsessed with with the Best with with Alex and Tina. Tina. Today, we are talking to Lauren Marcus, New York City actress, singer, and writer. She originated the role of Brooke in Be More Chill in 2015 and later made her Broadway debut with the show in 2019. Other select theater credits include Audrey in Little Shop of Horrors, Amy and Company, a featured singer in the Jonathan Larson Project at 54 Below, and Mary in Merrily We Roll Along. Lauren has also made her feature film debut recently in the movie Tick, Tick, Boom, directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda, also available on Netflix. Lauren plays regularly around New York City with her 12-person band, most recently completing a residency downtown at Rockwood Music Hall. Up next is work on her one-woman musical, Lauren and the Case of the Missing Hair. Please welcome my friend, Lauren Marcus. Okay, so Lauren, as I was preparing for this interview, I realized I think that we have known each other for about 10 years now, which is wild. That's shocking. And also, like, I really just think of everyone as the age I met them at. So, like, if you ask me how old you are, I'd be like, oh, Alex Farr is 23. Like, honestly, I don't even... I. 23. Yep. Exactly. You're 20. I'm 23. You're 25. And that's just that. Okay. (laughs) But I'm so excited to chat because as I was going over your professional bio, I have so many questions that you don't get around to talking about after a show or at a party or anything like that. Okay. The first thing I want to know is when did you know you wanted to become an actress? Uh, I feel like I have such a, a typical answer. I was five. I was five and I was like, oh, this looks fun. We saw Les Mis on tour and I was like, that, that's it. That's it for me. And I just decided, which is really, I'm always like, that's what an insane way to decide the rest of your life, like a five-year-old. But when you know, it's one of those things where when you know, you know. You know, right? when you know, you know. Yeah. Where? So where was this tour coming through that you saw? I lived in Chicago. So I lived in the suburbs of Chicago. And, um, I, you know, I've always loved listening to music, but I think that's the first thing I can really remember seeing live on a stage. There's a little girl in it. It was like, all the pieces were like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> like yes. it was coming together. Yeah. Um, and that was the thing I think that just hit me very hard. And the first time I realized that like, technically I could have the option to grow up and do something like that. And I was really lucky. My parents were really, really supportive of it. That's amazing. I feel like we all have that memory of first hearing Les Mis when we were little girls. Like I definitely like was in the basement with a broom, playing the cassette, singing Castle on the Cloud. Well, I, and here's my question to you. Like, I, we love the Cosette, but then like, did it get deeper? Like, did you start acting out the other roles? Cause that's when it got really (laughs) one, like a heart full of love was like a one woman show. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It was very dramatic. You guys, I was not doing this. I was full West Side Story sound of music. Oh, I was full. I was in Nita or Maria every other day. I was memorizing those dances. I was 
but that's involved. into that's- that. But this is also like why we're all such pieces of work in the best way because we decided the rest of our lives at like five years old. Yeah, I, pretty yeah. much. It's it's such a silly thing and it's very beautiful in a lot of ways, but it's very silly. It's very silly. <laughs> okay, so you go to NYU, you go to Steinhardt, and then you stay in the city to pursue everything. So this is something Tina and I talk about a lot, like the hardest or the weirdest side jobs that we've ever had because – if you're not pursuing a creative job, you you know, and having to have yeah. another job, it's something you don't really understand. Yeah. So I want to know what's the hardest, weirdest well, side job. I say like pick a job and I've probably had it honestly, Same. like or something in the Same. realm. Um, so I did all the like traditional ones, waitressing, hosting, a lot of babysitting, but my one of one that sticks out really well to me is, um, <laughs> is, and this was a two-day job. I sold uh, personal massage devices at the Javits Center, not vibrators. I swear to God, it's like those little tens units that have like the electric impulse shock, like the stims, like the stim. Yeah, that you stick yeah, yeah, on yeah. Your... yes. Yeah. And so I sold those for two days. And my favorite part, or weirdest part, about that is there was a dental booth next to us. I don't really, maybe it was like a health and wellness. I don't really know. And so I started talking to these dentist guys because they were so silly. And they, uh, I was like, you give it to me, I'll sell it. I don't know how, like I will sell it. And they went, okay, sell this. And they held up like a plaque. They said, we'll offer you a job if you can sell this, like a plaque pick. And there was a girl I was working with who specifically had a problem about the plaque on her teeth that she told me an hour earlier. And I sold it to her for $10. And then they offered me a job, like truly in their um, dental wares thing. I didn't end up doing it. I considered it. Oh my God. That is an amazing story. I think I can sell. I can, I think I can sell pretty well. I just really hate it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel mean, the same way. I feel the right. very same way. Like you guys, we've all been there. I, I sold active wear in a display window oh, in a I store by doing like, yoga poses. Mm-hmm. Tina, what was the thing that you was at watches or you just sell something in Times Square oh one of God. your jobs? Well, I was, I was hoodwinked. I was hoodwinked. I was bamboozled into this. They told me I was going to be a model and oh. I ended up being <laughs> a, a paperer in Times yeah. Square. They tell you lots of things, don't yeah. they? Yeah. Yes. And yeah. I was absolutely hoodwinked in that. They tell situation. you lots of things. They tell you lots of things. Once I thought I was applying to be a personal shopper and it like ended with me getting a check from Russia that someone <laughs> wanted me to deposit and I hid it under my mattress and cried because I did <laughs> <laughs> Like the shit we do. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. So you're, you're in New York, you're selling one dental plaque, um, plaque remover. And well, Alex has been telling me about you for years and I'm like the, the elusive, like Lauren Marcus, I'm so excited to finally meet you. Um, and one of the things that like stuck out when she was telling me about you is that she said that you went to a conservatory in Scotland. Yes. Can you talk about that? That sounds so fascinating. I've never talked about this with you. Really? I'm really interested. I know nothing. Also, like, tonight, I feel like we've just, like, met. So, I <laughs> I'm just so silly. Maybe it's because I'm just, like, used to seeing you. Or, I know. Or, I mean, I, I feel like, very connected with you I already. right in. Um, but here we are. Here we are. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Okay. So, I when I went to school, I got a degree in music, in voice. And I I like my voice now, whatever. But I... I feel like the acting was what did me good at school and the thing that I gravitated more towards in like in the genre of musical theater. And so I always had wanted to study just straight acting. Um, So that coincided with 
um, okay, so my my now husband and I had dated for a year and we broke up for like three and a half years, four. And I was like, we were broken up. I was like, I gotta get out of this city. Yes. I gotta leave. I gotta pack my bag <laughs> and leave. And I did. It was it was all these like things together and just Scotland felt like a far away. So it's kind of a random pick. It kind of like I did all the you know, look, if I gotten into Yale, I would have gone to Yale, but like I didn't get into Yale. So like I it, I applied to a bunch of places and then this one had the right combo of what I was looking to do and seemed exotic and was far away um, and was a year as opposed to three, which I think. Oh, my God. Scary. I'm like, should I go to Scotland? This sounds amazing. <laughs> start over. Start over. It depends on what you want. Yes, yeah, start over. What's weird is like, and it's gone. I haven't been back, but it was like I did build this other life there, and then just left it. You yeah. know, like I still have some friends I talk to, but it was so weird. You spend a year somewhere, you really. And was this straight out of college? No, no. I probably took two years off. Okay. Okay. After college, or two years in between. Okay. Okay. And you mentioned your your husband. And can you tell yeah. us who your husband is? My husband is Joey Clonis. He's a musical theater writer, performer. Um, and yeah, we met like right at the end of my college experience and uh, dated for about a year. It was disastrous. Uh, <gasps> and then continued to work together the entire time we were broken up oh. on and off. And like, I mean, what's so funny is while I was in Scotland, which I don't think I've actually talked about Scotland yet, but while I was in Scotland, I remember Joe was doing a production of Rewrite at Heart. And I was like, who the hell is playing my part in that show? And I was like, who is Alexandra Ferrara? <laughs> up to like, at, truly like in Scotland on my computer being a creeper. Like who is this Alexandra? That character. Like that is so funny because at the same time I was YouTubing to learn the music videos of you doing sure. it. I think that's so funny. Before me. I love that. But yeah, so that's how I met Joe. This partnership at the Heart School and Goodspeed doing rewrite with Lauren's part. We were both looking each other up. Little did we know. So silly. Yeah, that is actually that. so funny. We're both looking each other online. And I also then remember coming back to New York and like there's this whole group of people who like I hadn't met. I was such a such a bitch. Uh, <laughs> and this whole group of people, I was like, who are they? They think they know what's up. Like, but like I would feel the same way. Like you're kind of territorial. And then of course you have like a more complicated relationship with the writer. Yeah. And it's just, you know, oh my God. I would totally be like, who is this woman? So silly, but like, as I should just rest assured now, like Joe really only likes to work with the best people in the world. So like, it's turned out okay. Here we are 10 years later. <laughs> Here we are 10 years later. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Scotland was like wild. Parts of it were great. Parts of it were not. And it it was a whole year. It took me two weeks to be able to understand anyone. Of course. Anyone. Um, and the program itself had some issues, but it truly was like what you make of the experience. And like, I kind of just went out of my way to do extra things. So I got to do like a show in the Edinburgh Fringe. I got to, I, I did, I took advantage of my time there. That's awesome. That is so cool. I mean, it sounds so dreamy now being so far away from school to just go somewhere and like be creative and study and learn. It and it's nice. I, dreamy. I really did not like my program was the problem. And also the other thing, and like some of them are my very good friends to this day, but what I wasn't expecting is how many Americans would be on the course and I was like mm, not what I like 
Mm. Here for you know what I mean, uh, right? You're like I came here for the Scottish, ex- the true Scottish experience. The yeah, true Scottish, and I did end up dating a Scottish guy. Like that, <laughs> that was interesting. Uh, but like, um, yeah, like so, you know, I guess I got an experience. Yeah, what a time! I that love that awesome. though. What a memory. What a time. okay. So you have worked with Joe a ton, yeah. but something that's really cool and specific is that you guys made your Broadway debuts together at the same time in the same show. So you created the role of Broken Be More Chill and its journey to Broadway was absolutely not how things normally go. It was a very crazy journey. Can you walk us through a little bit about that? So we did this show that Joe had written um, in 2015, like right after we got married, maybe-ish, at Two River Theater in New Jersey. Had done a couple workshops of the show over the last, like two years prior. Um, And uh, we went there and we were all kind of like, oh my God, like this is going to be the next big thing. And then it just got like not a good review in the Times. And then as so often happens, like, died like that was it it was really sad um and we did get together about a month after we closed to make a cast album pretty much to preserve the memory of it like it was kind of like for fun you know what I mean no one was like demanding that this album get made except us (laughs) um and so that happened it was a beautiful memory but like two years later I remember I remember getting tagged in like fan art on Instagram. And I was like, oh, wow, somebody, this is a deep cut. Somebody, I guess, is a fan of Be More Chill. And then it just like, then the next week it was like six pieces of fan art. And then the next week it was like 15. And it was so bizarre. It happened like very quickly. And all of a sudden, like the internet knew about this show. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Um, And so there was this like demand for it. And because of that, we ended up remounting the show four years later off Broadway. Um, and then we went to Broadway after that. Wow. The internet is a wild place. The wild west. Like anything can anything go, can happen. Anything can happen. And I really do think it's the first and maybe only time that a musical has gone viral or to like in that it's it was it. it streams wise, like I don't know the number now, but it was a show that had run for about four weeks in New Jersey, four years ago, was streaming competitively with Dear Evan Hansen and Hamilton, like the exact same close, not far behind. And it was like, what now? Like this show, what? Um, And so I I really have never heard of another show doing no, it's Mm -hmm. it's a lightning in a bottle thing. I, I feel like you could try, but how do you, you know, I mean, also I'm biased. Joe is one of my favorite writers in the world. And I just think he writes things that connect so deeply with people. Um, and in this case, young people really connect. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting because that's exactly what the show deserved. But it happened in this completely unexplainable way that just can't be recreated. Yeah. In this it, really non-traditional way. It can't. And it it's nice. You know, you want to believe it's so hard. This business is so hard and it's so subjective and like a lot of times in theater it comes down to one person's opinion and and what do you do like how do you fight that you you can't um and then the internet rallied and fought that and they were like no 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 we like this we like this that's amazing it was so funny though I do remember like people had trouble understanding what was going on 
like they didn't understand. They would think the numbers were made up. They didn't understand like what the internet meant. You know, theater is like a few steps behind everybody else. <laughs> it's true. Well, these people that have been doing things a certain way for 50 years couldn't understand that this, there was a different trajectory could exist. Yes. Yes. And I think it like was a little like weird and scary. And I mean, it was for everyone. We didn't really know what we were doing, but it was really very magical because um, got to make our Broadway debuts together. We had some friends in there as well. We had lots of friends in there. Um, other friends also making their Broadway debuts, like Will Roland, who's been one of my best friends for such a long time was there. It was so silly. It's like, it's, it just, it felt so silly. <laughs> I mean, I, it seems like the ultimate dream to like get to work and play and make your Broadway debut with your spouse. But were there ever any, like, was it ever difficult to be with your spouse all the time and the stress? What was that like? You know, what's so funny is we have no trouble too much time. Okay. We both like our time apart. That's fine. We know when when we need to take it. That's great. And where we both leave to work a lot. That's fine. We get into trouble when we don't have enough time together. And what actually happened during Be More Chill is we did not have enough time together. Like you, it, we were around each other. We were working, but when we're working, it's not like we're there hanging out or being a married right. couple. Like we're very used to working together, but I, I like to think we're pretty professional in the room. Like mm-hmm. we, I'm not over there like touching him, you know? Um, yeah. And then once the show opened, it was ships in the night. It was, I would sleep very late because this show for me, cause I feel like I was an old lady masquerading as a teenager. Um, <laughs> I would sleep late. I would spend my, like, maybe be up for an hour to do warm-ups, then go do the show. And I was out doing other things. And then I get home, he'd be tired. Like, we just didn't really see each other. And that was hard. That was the hardest part. And when you did see each other, could you ever turn it off? Like, did you have to make an effort of like, okay, we have to not talk about this. We have to do something else. It was hard because I think, Yes and no. I think we both learned a lot. Like it was hard because so he's the writer, right? He's dealing with all of the business aspects of it that, and I was like, please tell me what's going on. And he still says, he says, no, like I just learned about myself. I never will. So it's like, he would know we were closing and he couldn't, it would like break his heart to tell me that. And so he's there holding that inside. I'm kind of mad that he wouldn't just tell me. Um, But he, he didn't want to tell me anything was going on behind the scenes. And then I, right, would come from this show and be like, oh, this gossipy thing, like this happened and it's his show. So maybe he doesn't want to know who was drunk or who, you know what I mean? Not saying anyone was, but like he, maybe he doesn't want to know who's being like a bitch, me or yeah. something. I don't know. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's this weird thing where on, in some, on some level, it is so fun to talk about and we do love working together, but it, I guess maybe, the Broadway part of it put a different stress on all of it in a way that we learned and wasn't so easy. So we really, but being together is never that we just didn't ships in the night. And then we couldn't turn it off when we had time together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I. So can you talk a little bit about pressures that are on performers in a Broadway show for anyone who just does not know what yeah like the pressure of you know how everything affects you You get a cold well that affects your voice like to not get sick to not get injured I mean you dealt with an injury and I can't imagine dealing with an injury and having people in the create you know the producer being like when are you coming back when are you coming back you just talk about the pressures that are on performers on Broadway and how you dealt with that yeah I think everyone handles their own things differently there's 
physical pressures and then there's mental pressures. Like the mental, I think we're all pretty familiar with. It's like, it's just like that, but the same and more. (laughs) Um, Physically, I had never done a run of anything that physically demanding. Like I'm not a dancer, but we move and dance and run around throughout that show. I'm sure to some other dancer, they'd be like, okay. No, it wasn't like fouette turns. It was, you weren't like a raquette, but it was like, you did not stop moving and it was nonstop choreography the entire time. Yes. Um, so like I did, I hurt myself off Broadway and I, uh, fell and sprained my ankle in the middle of a show, which I never injured myself that way before. Never had anything like that happen on stage it was very wild I had to be like taken to the hospital mid-show oh my god and it was it opened my eyes because also like I'm good vocally I know how to take care of my voice I had never warmed up for a show ever um for your body I mean yeah yes and when that happened, that was like the biggest, I mean, I'm lucky. I'm sh- I, sometimes I'm like, I wonder if the physical therapists were like, it's a sprained ankle, calm down. But it was like very traumatic at the time. And I learned how to get better, how to recover. I learned the importance of warming up every show, which I don't, you know, I get I'm lax on it sometimes depending on the type of show I'm doing. But for that show, I warmed up every day. Um, and then I got... I made sure to get eight or nine hours of sleep every day, but like your social life changes. Like you don't have as much. And also if the show's, you know, I'm sure if the show's easier, it's different. But for me, I had to do that. It just had to be about the show. And like my social time came at uh, 11 PM to 1 AM. I go out for a drink probably every night and then I go home. And I feel like there's such a misconception about people that work on Broadway and like how easy it is like how easy the work schedule is because it's like oh well you can sleep all day and then you just you don't have to work until eight but we all know that that is just not the case because there's all uh, sorts of other things that you have to do in your life during the day funny I can't remember what who said this or someone said this in an interview but it's so funny it's like your whole day is wrapped around being in service of being the highlight of someone else's day. You know what I mean? Yes. And that's a really, really beautiful thing, but it does mean you're sacrificing having dinner with your partner for Mm -hmm. like, in my case, like for six months, we'd see each other after, but you're sacrificing that, that time of the day when you come home and you relax and it, you know what I mean? And you're, you're giving that to someone else, which is awesome, but it's, it, it's different. Your whole day is in service of like, I got to bang out these errands if I have a few minutes so that I can get there to the theater. Mm-hmm. What did a typical day when you were like in the throes of it, you're on Broadway. What's a typical day from like waking up to going to bed? What what did yeah. you do? I feel like I'd wake up probably in the 10s or maybe around 11. I love to sleep. I have a problem. No, so do we. I we would do anything to be a person who wakes up early. I just was saying to Joe this morning, I was like, I want to do that. How do I do that? He's like, I don't think it's possible for you. But um, <laughs> probably till like 11. Then I would uh, have a coffee, chill out check emails. And then I didn't have to work out, which was great during the whole run of that show. Um, I feel like I just, anything I had to do, I had a couple hours to do in the beginning of the day. And then honestly, like around three, four, I would just start mentally prepping. I tried to either do a physical warm up at home. Um, maybe I'd have coffee with a friend or something, but honestly, I just like to rest or write like, or I would be working on, on my own stuff. That would be the time for that. Go to the theater around 6, 6, 37. Um, it was an 11 minute walk from our apartment. So oh, I took it out very well. Dream. Dreams. Yeah. 
have a coffee, do the show, go out for a drink, rinse, repeat. And then two show days, forget about it. You, there's no, literally you go, you're holding, it's so weird. It's like you're locked in a little building. It's a dream in so many ways. And it's also, it's just like intense. Yeah. It's intense. Two show days were intense. And I've never done anything a long enough run where you have shows really where you're like, I don't know if I can do this. Like yeah. I, it's, or I don't want to, but then um, I never missed a show on Broadway because it took me a very long time to get there. And all I could think is how much I would regret after the run if I'd even let one go, which mm-hmm. maybe is stupid. I might, I don't know if I'd do that again, but I am very happy with that show. I made that decision. Like it, it is not lost on me in like, that I got to do that. You were grateful. And it's a huge dream and a huge accomplishment, but also comes with sacrifices, which I think is interesting for people to hear. So I want to ask you a little bit about some of your relationship dynamics because I mean, honestly, selfishly, because I want to know, because I also have a husband who's in the same business as me in a different way. But I want to know really practical things. Like how do you guys work on budgeting and planning in this business where you never know what's around the corner. You never know what's next. You never know when you have to go out of town. You never know when something is going to close. Like with all the question marks, how do you kind of like structure your lives? Well, here's something that has been true at every turn of our lives. Joe and I are terrible with money. Whether we have a nice amount, whether we have $5, it will be like, we're terrible. And both of us are absolutely insane. Like we, we love going out to dinner. Like that's such a fun thing for us. We, Joe has said before, he's like, if I had $20 in my pocket, like, and that was it to my name. He's like, I'd spend it. I get a nice (laughs) drink and then I'd figure out what to do the next day. I I mean, we, you guys are also incredibly generous with your money too. Yeah, we do. We also like to like, I mean, Joe, especially we are terrible with money, but one thing we did do is we ended up getting a business manager, if I'm honest with you. And people like, I remember our lawyer at the time was like, what a waste of money. Uh, Like you're going to be paying X amount to this person doing something you could do. Uh Uh-uh. For us, it has saved our lives. We don't have to worry because if we're going crazy, someone is like, stop it, which has happened. They've been like, calm it down. Like you actually don't have this level of money to spend and like bring it back. And I also don't, I don't think we're like frivolous, like, you know, the great Gatsby. We just, we just really enjoy going out. And you live in New York City. You live in New York City. We live in New York City. Yes. Going to dinner in a show, that is hundreds of dollars. It doesn't mean you're not like in a private plane. You're not like planning lavish vacations. You're just like living your life in a very expensive city. Okay. And like, let me be very clear. Like we did this when we had no money. Like, like this isn't, you know what I mean? Like this isn't like a lavish, like we just have problems and we can't keep track of it. We have problems. That is something like even I would say to anybody, no matter how much money you actually have, if if keeping track of it is a problem for you, it is worth the investment of having someone who knows what they're doing because they will help you. If I had a hundred dollars, 
I, I would be like, and that was it to my name. I'd be like, I need someone to manage this hundred dollars. <laughs> I know, I know it would be better in three weeks than if I was left to my own devices. I actually just yesterday had a meeting with someone like this. There's this, I, well, I'll talk about it later on the pod once I've actually yeah. gone through it, but yeah, very similar. It's like a business manager. Um, yeah. And cause I'm like, I just need someone to come in and be like, oh, you're a freelancer and you don't have a solid income, but you've got this, that, and the other thing. Here's how you should budget your money and how it works. Yeah. And I, Alex, I talk about this all the time as like independent women and who are doing a million things. Like it's okay to ask for help and outsource. So, okay. I mean, I can't tell you, there would be like times I would buy a book that was like managing your money, the secrets. And I bring it home and start reading it and crying. And I'd be like, I don't understand. Like, I literally don't know what to do. It's just not a skill. I have. And I think it's really important identifying that because for me, I kept trying to be this person who took control of it. And like, that is not a skill I possess. And once I identified that. Yes. I love that. Like identify your skills and then outsource for help. Yeah. We talk about a little support. A lot too is like, you have to know what you don't know. Like not everyone can know everything. You have to know the things that you don't know. And then you have to find someone who knows that and bring them close to you. I wish we had actually gotten someone much sooner because I think people think think you need to have money to have someone like that. And like, that's actually not true at all. Like, and it can, it's very, it's helpful. I I don't know. I, if for us, when we're so bad with it and we don't know what we're doing and also like, I just will get bills and I'd be like, I'll let them sit there. Like it's, I'm that person. It's not good. It's so I'm actually kind of relieved to hear you speak on this because I think it's such a, we like don't talk about money and and it's a scary thing, but like, it's so common because I'm the same way. I'm the same way. Well, it's, well, first of all, we had a really interesting interview with a financial advisor, Christine Sarno, and which I would highly recommend for you, but she said, we need to take the stigma out of this. Talk about yes. money with your friends. Talk about yeah. how you're, that you have a business manager. Talk about if someone has a Roth IRA, how they're saving, how they budget. Like that should no longer be, oh, it's inappropriate to talk about yeah. money. It should be, yeah. let's talk about how we all manage it and get it out in the open. But also the structure was not set up for us as freelancers who make a different amount of money every month, who mm-hmm. never yeah. know. I will find out about a job two days beforehand sometimes. I And then from that job, maybe I won't get paid for two to three three months. It's like, how do you, but it takes a lot of creativity and problem solving to budget as opposed to people who make a set amount of money every month. Truly God bless people who budget. I think they're geniuses. Like I, I, I think it's, um, God. Yeah. I can, I mean, do you, do you guys do that? Like, and is, does Vinny have a mind towards that? We're, we're working on it right now. We're kind of like clean slate, like after the pandemic and we're working on figuring out, okay, what is our new budget look like with Vin's new job and with what I'm doing? Like we're in the process, but I honestly would love to work with someone too. Yeah. And, and Tina, how are you with? I, I like at the beginning of the year, I had like an Excel spreadsheet and I was clocking every single thing. I was lasted for about three months and then I just completely yes. put it out. Yeah, I just couldn't do yeah, it. Like so people have good intentions, but like if it's yes. not. So that's why I'm hiring someone to come in and do it. Help I'm me. telling yes. you, you will never regret it and it will, it will help your money grow as opposed to like, yes. yeah, it's an investment that will be a huge. Totally return. worth it. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Tina and I love therapy. We are obsessed with it. We're in therapy every week. We don't even know where we would be without it. Like Oprah loves bread, we love therapy. That's how we feel about it. And without a healthy mind, being truly happy 
and at peace, it's hard. So the good news is, and Alex and I can attest to this, therapy works. Okay, so what is therapy? Well, that's up to you. It can be whatever you want it to be. You can talk about dealing with stress in your relationships at work. Maybe you're not feeling very motivated and you'd like some tools to help. Here's the other thing. It's also really time to stop being ashamed of the normal human struggles that we all deal with and just start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. We all deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you, which is truly the hardest part and can be really overwhelming. It really is. It's so convenient because BetterHelp has online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't even have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. And it's way more affordable than going to someone in person, and it's quick. So you can actually start talking to a therapist in under 48 hours. It's always a good time to invest in yourself and your mental health. So join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. A special offer just for Obsessed listeners. So you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash obsessed. That's betterhelp.com slash obsessed. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring our podcast. Thank you to Ombre Labs for sponsoring this podcast. Are you struggling with a health issue and you just can't figure out the cause? Your gut might be to blame. Are you struggling with bloating, constipation, abdominal pain, maintaining a healthy weight, a weak immune system, acne, eczema, even your daily happiness and mental health? You can't figure out what the cause is? The answer could literally be found in your gut. So your gut contains trillions of bacteria, both good and bad. And when your body doesn't have enough good bacteria, the bad bacteria flourishes. When this happens, you can start getting these symptoms. Ombre Labs makes it really easy to measure your gut health by offering an at-home test that can measure your bacteria levels. The test will ship straight to your door with easy-to-follow instructions. When you receive your results, Ombre Labs will give you a detailed breakdown of your gut bacteria and the health issues it might be causing and what specific foods you need to consume more or less of to improve your health. They'll even develop personalized probiotics to heal your gut with a subscription. So if you're struggling with any of these symptoms that we mentioned and you just want to see if maybe your gut has the answers, visit tryombre.com obsessed to get $30 off your test. Thank you to Ombre Labs for sponsoring this podcast. Well, speaking of skills that we don't know we have or that things we don't know. um, So Alex tells me we have a lot in common because we both picked up an instrument later on in life. Like during the pandemic, I was like, I'm going to finally learn how to play the guitar. And now I'm like playing shows. Well, cut to, she has an amazing solo show that was spent at Green Room 42. It's going to be at 54 Below soon. And like she basically taught herself the guitar in the pandemic and it turned into a show. Literally how, because I've been trying to learn the guitar since I was 12, can't get past four chords, can't do bar chords, will never get better at it. Okay, but you play the ukulele, right? Yeah, but that's easy. I mean, <laughs> but comparatively, you did you. But here's what I love: you guys have this in common. You didn't grow up. I'm a musician. No. Like you grew up as singers and actresses, and mm-hmm. then you developed into musicians and writers. 
So it's just super cool. And Lauren, I wanted, I want you to talk about how you moved from singer actress into musician writer, that new phase of your life. Right. Um, uh, so I'd always kind of like, and so I, I took piano for eight years growing up, but I sucked. Like I, we are I, the same person, literally eight years, like, horrible, did not know what I was doing. Yes. Yeah. Like I can, I can learn a song, but I need like a month and it yes. goes very slow. And then I memorize it and then I have it and make it look like I know what I'm doing, but yes, that's it. Exactly the same. Um, I love that. I'm also mm -hmm. so about your show. Um, uh, so I'd always like dabbled in songwriting privately or in my head and, um, I never really showed it or talked about it a lot, but, um, I actually remember when Joe and I were broken up, he was one of the first people, like I emailed him and he was like very encouraging. Um, and I was like, well, okay. Well, he thinks these songs are like, okay. I'm sure like half of them were about him. I don't remember. Um, and he, in a beautiful way, really pushed me and encouraged me to keep going with it. Um, I think I'm naturally someone who's I'm not sure sometimes he, he, he argues me on this, but like, I'm not sure I would have kept going if he hadn't have been like, I don't know if it's something about like being a woman or me or where I'm like, it's just not good. Like, it's not good. And like, I, I couldn't get past that. Um, and so I, one thing that was stopping me is I felt like I wasn't a good enough musician and um, I didn't have a way to put down what I was hearing in my head. And so I learned the uke in Scotland and I kind of started for the first time like writing chords to my songs. And so when I was ready, like a couple years later to do a show, I started working with some musicians, one of them being Mike Rosengarten, like who I still work with to this day. And I remember being so intimidated when I would share these songs because I felt like musically, I didn't know what I was doing. It took me a, about a year to realize I definitely knew what I was doing. And it's like, just because you can do one thing doesn't mean you can do the other. So it's like, I like, just cause you're a great musician doesn't mean you know how the hell to write a song. And like it, 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 many times they have no idea how to write a song. So I, once I kind of realized those were different skills, I got a little bit more confident about it. Um, and then I don't know, it kind of took off. Like it just took some confidence and some, some years of practice and, and getting better. Um, which I still think is happening, knock on wood, hopefully. And then what's, so then the singer songwriter thing has been happening probably for like 10 years. I have a band. And so I very much have also tried to stay out of the realm of musical theater writing again, because I think I was so intimidated, like, because I know some of the best writers in existence, but I, the last couple of years have like lent itself to that starting to happen. It's hard because sometimes I try to keep the two worlds separate. And I really do like the singer songwriter stuff to be separate. Um, and I was scared to venture into musical theater writing because I was scared people would think of my singer songwriter stuff as theatrical, which just happens when they find out I know I do that I do theater. I mean, this brings me to a question I have. This is something Tina and I talk about a lot because we both yeah. work in a lot of different areas. Like Tina has her show; she's a makeup artist. You know what I mean? Like we both do. Yeah. We have do we do the podcast? Like a lot of different areas. How do you? structure your day slash your life to give everything the time that it needs and do you go through what we go through where it's like oh my gosh I'm doing one thing this other thing is slipping I have to get back to yeah. that like how do you manage that it's kind of a constant game of that and then it's like what fire needs to be put out immediately today honestly <laughs> like what is the thing that needs my attention the most today I wish I could say that I sat down I, I do an hour on this and an hour on this I don't I usually just work in chunks and um um, it is starting to be, it's always been a little scary. 
started, but it's starting to be like a little bit scarier recently. The the bigger the writing projects, it's like, no, I, I really have to sit down and devote hours to this. And then it's like, I'll, I live in fear, even though it's all I want of, of booking something. <laughs> like, and then it's like, what would I even do? So it's just kind of like dealing with the fires. You live in fear of booking something as an actress, what you're saying when yeah. you have all these projects. Yeah, that's all I want. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's like that's the dream, but also I have, now I have nine other dreams. It's, it, but I do. I live in fear of it, even though I want it very badly. I, I Lauren, I'm literally going through the same thing. Tina really? and I have some really fun oh, yeah. things coming up with, the, you know, this and some other projects going. And then as I'm auditioning and I'm looking at those dates, I'm like, oh my God, what if, what, what if, if this and this? And I can't even look at the dates anymore. I no. just have to like, I like can't even look at it. I'm just like. Yeah. It, also, the joke of it is it's like, I feel like there have been things recently. I'm like, well, I'm going to get this. Like, and then I'm going to be out of town for seven months and then I don't get it. And then I'm like, well, why did I even spend time? I'm worrying about it. Like, why did I? I'm such God. an asshole. Like, I, I never got it. Nobody cared. Like, and the worry. Like, so I think that's letting go is helpful. But like, do you guys have schedules for your day? Or I'm also I mean, terrible. Well, Alex does. Alex is good at scheduling. I, yeah, yeah. Well, because here's the thing. Because I will find out about a self tape or like a. Vo- I do voiceover jobs from my closet. Those things are commercial stuff. They're all so last minute. So last yeah. minute. Like night before, day yeah. of. So for those things, I can't control them at all. So I try to get up early and do all of my work for this podcast or anything else I have going on like early in the morning. That way my day can be availed to whatever email I get. Can you get this taping? Can you do this voiceover job right now? Can you make it here at this fitting in an hour? Like, because those things happen. So I am an early bird and I try to do work on my personal projects early in the morning. And then because the day takes me where it takes me during nine to five. Right. I do think I've gotten really good about knowing how long things take me. That that is like a skill that I've grown into. The only thing that can be the wild card is when I'm trying to write and it just isn't happening that day, which I'm usually pretty lucky. Like usually if I have an idea, I can make something happen. But like, I know that I need, like, I know I have, uh, I'm going to say this. I have a rehearsal like at one today. I have not looked at the song, <laughs> but I know if I have 30 to 45 minutes, which I will, I can get a good pass at it. And I'm a good enough sight reader where I can go in and it won't be embarrassing. Like I'm good. I'm good at that way. So like, as the things come at me, I, I, I think I'm good. I know how many days I need to make a tape. I know I need two days to write a song, to have something to show to someone that I'm proud of. Um, Are you a Sagittarius? Yeah. Yeah. You're a fire. You guys, sign. you're totally so a fire. Sign. I, I, you two are way more alike than I am. You two are a lot. I was like, know what anything means when I'm having my chart read next week, and I'm very excited. When's your birthday? November 23rd. The 27th. It, am Lauren? I really? Like, wait. Yes. Alex, wait. I'm December 9th. I'm a Sagittarius too, but right. you guys are a Sagittarius in the same way. I am the one in a it's different way. I'm a little more, really? I'm a little more like type A than you two. You two are a yeah. lot alike. <laughs> We're so alike because you're talking about. 
it like the fire sign in us makes it so like like I will wait till the last minute because I know if I just it takes me 30 minutes to do it it's I I and I put out the most important fires first yeah I I wait until I I don't know you think about things like that dude that's so I've never had anyone identify my sign in general but like I didn't really think that was a thing but it's totally a thing because you like that fire and you like that and you feel creative and inspired if it's like in that moment and it's hot and it's like present that's wild I've yes anyone and then you like I feel like you get off a little bit too not you yes like, like oh, I could do it in 20 I minutes, do it in 20 minutes. Like, yes wow yes. that's crazy oh my god you're just I've never like I've heard that before huh. I'm like learning all about my sign too I, I downloaded that app the co-star app and I'm like reading through it I'm like oh my god this makes so much sense that's so that's so <sighs> funny that so funny oh my that's god so wild that actually like ties into a lot of things that's wild. yeah it really does okay I want it speaking of get you out of here to learn your song so I need to get oh to, yeah, yeah so we need to don't get worry, to tip boom because we got a lot yeah. of fan questions about Tick Tick Boom and your experience, you? uh huh, and about how you've been close with Jonathan, with the, you were in the Jonathan Larson project. So, can you just talk about all of the above to walk us through it? Okay. So, what is so funny is like I discovered Rent very late in life, like in high school. Everyone had known it in junior high. So, for anyone who doesn't know, Jonathan Larson, if you're not a musical theater fan, wrote Rent, but also a lot of other things. But if you don't know anything about Jonathan Larson, you might know Rent. So, Rent. You probably know Rent. Um, and so I remember what's so funny in junior high, I was like, what is this musical theater thing that everyone loves? And I was almost resentful because I was like, all these people who haven't been in it, who never liked musical theater like this. And I was like very weird and judgy about it, even though I'd never listened to it. So I heard it in high school. And I was like, oh God, this is so good. Um, and I obsessed over it. But also what was so funny is I remember telling myself, in high school, like my voice is very different than that. I don't really have a place in this canon, which in some ways is like sometimes you can enjoy something a lot more because you're not obsessing over. Do you know what I mean? It's like you're out of it. So you don't have to obsess about what part could I play? What could I, whatever. So I always just listened to music that way, enjoyed it. Was like, you're never going to be involved in like rent or something that he's written because he writes like this. Flash forward several years later, I didn't know any of Jonathan Larson's other stuff. And Jen Tepper, a very good friend of ours, uh, she's a producer, she's a musical theater historian, um, had been doing research for two years on all of his other works and putting together this show called The Jonathan Larson Project. And she asked me to be in it. And I was like, of course, secretly in the back of my mind, like, I don't know if this is going to be like for me. I still, you know, like, I I don't know what I'm going to bring to this. Turns out the scope of what Batman has written is so above and beyond. Like the Rent stuff, like, is unbelievable. The rock stuff he writes is incredible, but he wrote everything. He wrote everything. Like I sang a song that was like 30s inspired. I did a big like um, talky like patter piece, like stuff I just had no idea. And talk about the one you sang with Krista Rodriguez because I saw this oh, show. It was one of my favorite, the Jonathan Larson Project of 54 Below is one of my favorite things I've ever seen in my entire life. I was fully crying and fully realizing how ahead of his time he was, especially with how he wrote for women. If you just make a little bit about the song with Krista. Yeah. We sang this song called white male world that like when you think about it he must have written it early 90s and it's basically a song just talking about how uh how it's a white male world and how it's really awful and he also he was a straight white male like it's 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 wild that he 
was able at that time, there were not other people saying these things. He's saying the things we are saying now as a society in the early 90s, which honestly wasn't happening, like especially in musical theater. Um, very political. He has lots of songs about um, environmental protest songs. Um, yeah, the, the breadth of his work, so young, truly, truly astounding. Um, but but yeah, that was truly one of the most, I don't even like this word, but like magical things I have ever done in my life. And uh, I'd never heard any of the pieces before. Um, so we we did a run of that um over like a weekend i think and then we made an album which was incredible and then um we this tick tick boom was gonna happen the film and i saw a breakdown for this part named vicky who um vicky lee hoffman uh is was one of Jonathan's like very, very best friends, collaborators, producers. And I gotten the chance to meet her at um during the Larson project. And I was like, well, I know this woman. I know exactly what she did. I feel very like connected to the Jonathan Larson Uva as of like the last two years. And I was like, I, I think this could be something that I could do. And I actually reached out to one of the producers because I had met her during Jonathan Larson and asked to audition. And then there you go. And and when does Tick Tick Boom? When does it come out? Out. I it's out. I think it's out. I'm seeing it. The premiere in New York is on Monday. Okay. Uh, I have seen a working version of it. So that was wild. I'm like, I have a small part. Like, no, I have a name. Vicky got changed to Donna. So my name's Donna. Um, I'm I'm like the girl who whenever they needed a girl, they're like, where's that? Where's that blonde girl? Like, bring her in. Perfect. I, I, I feel like I have like one line a couple of my lines got cut but like I'm always sort of there it almost makes no sense but I'm very proud of it <laughs> so it was directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda and yes. by the time this podcast comes out it will be out on Netflix as well so everyone should watch yes. it on Netflix yeah exciting. oh my god you're such a star I don't think so <laughs> I think when you see the movie you will be like oh that's cute like I, I'm very proud of it but like I'm not doing, I'm not doing that much. I'm not going to lie to you. Well, you're, um, and what's funny is, and I said to Vicki Lee Hoffman, she was such a giant part of his life. Like I always kind of say she was like the Jen, Te like the way Jen Tepper is to Joe. That's what she, I feel like she was to Jonathan. And she speaks of him with so much love and she's so gracious as was his entire family, um, sharing things about Jonathan with us. Um, I, uh, it's like an honor I get to, uh, I guess, like portray her in the movie, but also I, I, you'll, you'll see, you'll see it. You'll see. But I think it's so cool you've been involved for so long because don't you feel like if Jonathan Larson were alive now, or if we were alive then, like we all would have been like something connected. He's so, he, like he and Joe would have been like best friends. Right. Like it, it's so similar. It's I've never, and everyone kept saying like, if he'd known Joe, he would have lost his mind. And like, I've never seen Joe in the state he was. He came to every show. He couldn't make it to one and he was gutted. He sat there like a fanboy, lip syncing to the songs as he learned them and hysterically cried every night. And I think like he never, he feels, I think he feels very close to him as a writer. And it's really, really weird. Some of the things that they have in common, like the one of the songs I sang was called Hosing the Furniture. And it's this like 10 minute song about a housewife having a breakdown. It's like very sexual. It has like, and it has to do with like um, being a woman and trapped. And like Joe has a song called Ammonia. He'd never heard Posing the furniture that is like a 10 minute song about a housewife trapped it's like 
uncanny how how similar a lot of their things are it's wild Um, okay i need to ask you this because i for advice for our listeners okay you are the epitome of a self-starter hustler whatever term anyone wants to use you don't well okay but like i it's really inspiring because you don't wait for anyone's permission you just say well i'm doing this thing so can you give us some advice for anyone listening who is afraid to start something afraid to start a project afraid to try something new because you know you grow up and you go through school and you think someone might knock on your door and say, Hey, will you please do this? And in reality, no one cares. You just have to you are literally like trained if you're majoring in acting like you are trained to believe that is the only way that something can happen and will exactly when really it's like you are the leader of your own life you need to to just go so can you give us some advice for anyone who's afraid to start to try different I feel like the further along like you get I think you get more comfortable with self-starting the more you do it but one thing that always helps me is I think like if you, it sounds so simple, but if you don't do it, it's not going to get done. You don't do it. It will not happen. So like I had dreams of singing on stage with a band. And at some point I was like, if I don't book a show, even if it's just me and a guitar, it literally will not happen. And I, I, it's like, that is something like the fear of regret is something that fuels me hugely the older I get. And it's like, I, kind of just think about things like I know myself and I know if I get to the end, I will so much more regret that I didn't try something than if I had tried and failed. I will also say like self-starting is it's hard a lot of ways because it's hard um, mentally, emotionally. It's also really hard, I think, because you are putting yourself out on a limb saying that I think this deserves attention and space in the world. And it feels like a very selfish thing. It's, Think about anybody who's made art or done something that you like. They had to believe in it and they had to do the same thing. And odds are, it's like, if you feel good enough about the thing you are putting out there, if you believe in it, it will connect with someone. I mean, it's hard because I guess it's like you the fear of rejection or how people are going to perceive you is really, really scary. Yeah, the fear of regret. That's what does it for me. It's really a vulnerable position to put yourself in. I I really do think as women, especially in the industry, we're made to feel so small and that we have to be small to fit into certain boxes and fit into certain roles. And when you take up something and make it your own and you're a self-starter and you make your own thing, that takes up a lot more space than people are used to. And it's really scary. Scary. And I think it's also, it's like if anyone has an adverse reaction to it, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. It's like, well, that... Honestly, that's probably a reflection on them. Like if you're seeing someone post about a bunch of shit, it's them being probably like, oh, I wish I could. And then it's like, whenever I get annoyed by something, it's very clearly related to me being jealous or or, or relating it to my own. Like I I do really see that. But like, I, I think that, yeah, yeah. But that's like going back to what you were saying earlier. It's like something that you learn with time. Like nobody can tell you this. Like nobody can teach you this. It's something that you have to. Yeah. And I I also think like what is hard is like, and this, this part of it sucks a little bit. Like, I'm not going to lie. When you start, it's not going to be the best. It's not going to be what it is five years later. And that is a horrific thing to, to think about, but you have to go through it. You have. And that's also so 
good to hear because I mean, I know for me, that very thing is what stopped me from doing a lot of things in my early Mm -hmm. 20s. Because I was like, I that I was so afraid of that first pancake, that first time out being shitty that I just avoid that I just didn't. I was like, I'm just going to stay in my lane because I was too nervous about like the first few times around that weren't going to be great. And but there's no way there's there's no way to get around it. No way to get around it. And that doesn't mean it's not good. It just that actually is kind of the scariest thing for me now too. Whenever I want to do something new, I'm always so nervous. And it's almost because it's like, I can look back at, especially like the writing and look at what I was writing like 10 or 12 years ago and be like, Ooh. <laughs> but it's also comforting. Like people get better. Mm-hmm. They get a lot better. You're going to regret it so much more if you never try. You're gonna. It's so true. Speaking of putting new things out into yes. the world, you have a one woman musical they are about, we are starting, well, you've been working on. Can you tell us a little bit? Yes. About that? So it's called Lauren and the Case of the Missing Hair. And I'm doing a 29 hour reading of it in January through Two River Theater, who, who did Be More Chill originally. Um, and it's like an original musical. It's all uh, book music lyrics by me. And it's about all of my hair falling out four years ago, which um, when I was 31, I was diagnosed with alopecia out of the blue and all my hair fell out and it was, ah, uh, wow. um, So this is kind of the story of that entire time through now. I don't know. I got, I got to do rewrites. It was through a couple of years ago. So now through now, who, who's to say? Oh my God. That's amazing. And you wrote your yeah. own musical. Yeah. Yeah. Like, look at you. Maybe. Let's say I like it. I And also like it was, it was kind of the one thing it was like, even in the middle of it happening, I still had this vision of a show that kind of was like, I, I like truly during the worst of it, I was like, I could see this on stage. Like it was really weird that I had like a mind's eye towards that. And also kind of kept me be like, well, there's something good to come out of it. Lauren, I can't wait to see oh, it know. because I think that, and hear more about it because I think it's very timely. I think with, you know, we're really examining our country's standard of beauty yeah. with body size, skin color, everything. And for you to explore a journey of being in a business that is, mostly related to what you look like and have your appearance change so drastically, I think is really fascinating to explore. And I'm also just really proud of you for how you've navigated through it and you're turning it into art that I feel like will help someone. I I hope, I really, really hope so. Like I, ooh, I say I very honest in it, which is like also very, scary um like I think I'm pretty much an open book on most things but like I I did some weird shit to try to get it back or like to try to like normalize myself during the situation um and so I I I hope people will be able to relate to it like I I don't think everyone's had all their hair fall out but I'm sure most people have gone through something odd in their lives and I I feel like that's an easy connection it's just Um, I feel like it's about also having empathy for people in situations that you don't understand, which was one of the biggest things that I learned through that entire time. Like you just cannot know what someone is dealing with. You can't, and you're not allowed really to have an opinion on it. Unless, unless you specifically dealt with it. Cause that has been kind of the craziest part of all of it, how people feel I should feel about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Has been. And you're such a good example 
of this because I remember that you show up places looking gorgeous, having just performed somewhere. You're on Broadway. I mean, all of these boxes, check, 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 check. Husband, married, look like looking like you have a dream life, but no one is with you all day in your apartment alone, knowing what you are dealing with that they don't it's, see. It's really like, it's, I'm more used to it. Like every year gets a little bit better and brings its own challenges. But like, and I could talk about alopecia for hours, but it's like, what's weird is all my hair grows back once a year and it's, it falls out once a year. So right now I'm going through the fallout phase, like five minutes before I was getting on this podcast. It's like, I have a handful of hair in my hand, like, which used to would have like turned me to tears and I would have had to cancel podcast now it's like my heart just goes like that and then I like put on a wig and then it's like oh are the seams showing it's just like it's so funny it's all these things people don't and I would have never even known you were wearing wig this whole time I'm like god her hair is so cute should I cut my hair Um, off I'm gonna get bangs this looks so good I love bangs what's crazy is my hair actually looked pretty much exactly like this when it fell out maybe a little bit blonder but it took me a while to get back to having the similar look and also it took me forever to find a wig to feel okay in a wig and to find a wig that I liked. That was, ooh, yeah. Um, but it's it's hard and also it's like people aren't seeing the parts of the day when I don't look like this, which is probably the majority of the day. Like I, my, my new thing now is I'm very jealous of people who wake up looking what like what they look like for the rest of the day. That's, that's, that's like, the most- Who human. is that? Who is that? That's a good, that's a good point. That's a good, who is that? Who is that? Cause I, I am jealous of them too, but like who? <laughs> I don't know. Pete, my husband. Oh, well, men don't count. Guys. You're actually, you're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> so much. Okay. Before we let you go and learn your music, we have just a few little rapid fire fun yes. questions for you. Okay. Number one, are there two beauty products that you absolutely can't live without? And will you tell us them? Yes. I only started using moisturizer during Be More Chill actually two years ago. I didn't know you were supposed to. I didn't know whatever. <laughs> I don't know if it's because I've started using it that I like feel it when I have it, but I use this brand called Biosance. Yeah. Like the only makeup thing, honestly, that I use that isn't like from the drugstore more or less. I'm like, I've tried to switch in other moisturizers. There's always a problem. Like it's the only one I tried to find cheaper ones, but it's awesome. I love it. I love Biosense. You know, they're clean. They're a clean brand. That's why for some reason I went with them. I don't know why, but I was like, this is the one. And I tried, I was like, this is amazing. I love it. I love it. And then also I love, um, oh, I brought it because I was like, I know I'm going to forget. It's just Revlon Colorstay liquid liner. No matter how hard I try, cannot find a better black liner that stays on. This is about this is about as good as it gets for me, and for me, I, I love um a cat eye. So I love. I've also been admiring your liquid liner today too. Oh, I'm like, sweet. damn, sometimes she nailed it looks that. Good, and sometimes it looks like a goddamn mess. But like, I love, I love that brand specifically. That way, that brushes. It's the yes. only one that works. I mean, liquid liner has kind of been your signature. You've always been a liquid liner gal, a cat eye gal. It's just kind of your well, thing, and I it am, works so well on you. I love it. I am sort of like. Do I need to like stop it soon? Do I need no. to like go up? Do I need to be a little more sophisticated? I don't know, but I I just love it. I love it. It suits you. It really Thanks. does. Yes. Um, okay. What's your favorite travel destination? That's a great question. I'm not a great traveler because I'm a really bad packer, but I, <laughs> what's wrong with me? Oh, <laughs> I really, this is just a quick answer. Like Joe and I go to Greenport 
Long Island sometimes and we really really love it there it's just like the cutest little town there's like this weird uh, motel hotel we stay at on the highway um and I really really love it and look forward to going there whenever love we do that yeah yeah I feel like it's your just your peaceful getaway out of the city yes. spot it's really really and there's a really cool vintage shop nearby so I love that nice. like if you had a summer home it would be there yeah we actually like have a dream maybe that uh one day we could do that but yes that would be the place, honestly, if we could. Love it. What's your favorite cocktail? Oh, it's a tie. So it's either going to be a Dirty Tito's uh, Martini. Same, um, yes. Oh, yes, so like love, love, love. But, so, but that is like you are either feeling that or not. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And my other new favorite cocktail that started during um, the pandemic, it's an old man's cocktail. It's called The Godfather. And the way I make it is I discovered Di Serono, the almond liqueur. Oh my and God, so I yes. it and Di Serono, and it is like, I love it. It's so sweet. It's probably like a little dessert, but I love it. That's hilarious. I love, I've never tried Di Serono, but I love the commercials. Love it's good. It, but I like ask for it in bars. I've just ventured out in having the nerve to ask for it. And like, no one knows what it is and it's never made the way I make it at home. Like I, so I'm going to, I'll say it, but it's really good. That's I love so good. It. Um, who is a woman that inspires you that we should all know about and follow? Oh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I love her so much. She, so she, um, Fleabag, mm-hmm. she's, uh, the writer, creator, actress of that. And I, I've actually done a lot of research in my like one woman show. And I love it because she's very much the epitome of what we're talking about. Like she'd never written a show. Someone's like, you should do this. She's like, I really don't think I should. And then she did, you know, maybe it was a huge also, success. Yeah. Maybe she's also the exception to the rule where like first time out, it turns out it's great. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. but um, I, I really look up to her a lot. I think she is just a badass. A woman who has taken the industry by storm and yeah, refused to be like the box in a lot of She's ways. She's very cool. Okay, so where can we find you? Where can we follow you? And where can we find your music? You can follow me. Instagram is where I do the best job. I'm not, I try to be bad. I'm going through a phase right now where I'm posting a lot. I didn't post anything for like four weeks. Uh, Lar, L A U R Marcus on Instagram. My website is laurenmarcus.com. It's almost fully up to date. Um, and my music, I would go to YouTube. I am working on, oh God, I start working on an album in like a week, which God, who knows how oh long, God. but it's, it's time. Um, so hopefully I will have some new music out soon. I have some stuff on Spotify. It's like a little older, like be kind, but. Um, but that's some of my favorites. The stuff that's I love it. That's the one that got away back. Like I will stand behind until the day that I die. Um, yeah. Yeah. But some of the older stuff is really, it's just crazy. I don't play it anymore, but there's so much of it. I do love it. Yeah. You're so cool. You're such an inspiration. That's really sweet. Thank you. And thanks for being here. This was so much fun. Thank you for having me. This is so fun just to talk. Yeah. You're the best. You're the best. We're going to link all of your info in our episode notes. People can follow you and just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We love you. Don't forget to follow, rate, and review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And for more content, make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, Patreon, and give us a follow at Obsessed with the Best Pod on Instagram and TikTok. Hosted on dimlywit.com.